0: Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, nerds and nerdettes, I am joined today by Andreas Kling, the creator, the founder, the mastermind, the head honcho, the big cheese, and Kahuna of Serenity OS and the Ladybird Web Browser. Say hello to the universe, my friend. Hello, universe. Nailed it. All right. Uh, so uh, we're we're gonna we're gonna jump past all the high level stuff. We're gonna assume that our audience is nerdy enough. To know what Serenity OS is, what what le- the Lady Bird web browser is, and all that good stuff. And we're gonna jump past all the high-level things that y- you know you'd have to, you have to repeat all the time. Let's get right into the Serenity side of things first, because I got a whole bunch of questions from from our community that they they want to ask you about Serenity, because we spent a whole week using serenity uh just a, a couple of months ago and people generally really enjoyed the experience right i mean they they had a really good time with it but i think a lot of people came away wanting to run serenity uh, serenity full-time <laughs> you, you know what i mean i mean they it's it's a polished enough system now that They feel like with just a few things, they could install it on bare metal and they could and they could use it as a as a replacement for at least some of their systems. So with that in mind, I know Serenity started really as, you know, a a hobbyist system, right? Do you Mm -hmm. see it getting to a point in the near future where someone could actually use it as a daily driver for at least personal systems on bare metal hardware do you see that as a as a as a near or medium term future possibility
1: i think it's definitely possible that that will happen uh and it but it depends entirely on just the right people with the right amount of energy picking it up and and running with it uh making that their own personal goal because um all of our projects within serenity os and ladybird and Uh, everything else that we do, they all run just on that pure nerd energy where somebody just really wants to see if they can get something working, right? Yeah. Uh, So that propelled uh, me early on uh, when I was just like standing up the entire system. Um, And that's sort of something that I've I've tried to almost pass the torch a little bit um, of many parts of the system. Yeah. Um, especially when it comes to bare metal. Uh, that's something that very early on I kind of said, okay, this isn't actually that interesting to me to work on bare metal support. So um, a bunch of other people were clearly way more interested than I was, and they kind of run that show now, uh, which I'm very happy about because really I want the, um, the people who are the most interested, I want them to be working on it, right? Uh, and when it comes to bare metal support or like running it as a daily driver. um, It's just a matter of realizing that, yes, this could be your future if you make it.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, (laughs) um, But you have to make it
0: is that something like when you go to bed at night and you close your eyes is that something that you dream of i mean you've created uh along with you know all the community that's formed around you in this system you've created something that's very cool you know I mean, uh, the 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 1990s late 1990s early 2000s aesthetic of it all the design of the system it's it's kind of grown into a very unique fun to use and and for a hobbyist system as young as it is a very robust and polished system do you dream of of being able to flip on your computer and it's just serenity instead of whatever you're running right now uh
1: sure i mean that is definitely something i want to eventually reach as a goal um i think that would be awesome it's always been my own personal goal with the project to just get it to the point where I can do all my daily tasks and then I will consider it complete. Uh, Thankfully we have hundreds of other people with other criteria. So uh, it it doesn't actually stop just because you can, you know, do whatever I consider my daily tasks. But uh, I guess I've kind of, Over time, I I kind of um, became very comfortable with the idea that this is going to take a very long time, especially when we added on the browser. um, Because I figured if we're going to build a whole operating system, we're going to have to build a browser because, you know, operating systems have browsers. Yeah. You have to do it. Um, And building a browser takes a very long time. So if I maintained sort of my earlier attitude of this is going to be fast and breezy uh, and fun uh, and we'll be done pretty soon. And it will be my daily driver. That attitude doesn't really work when you're trying to build a browser because it just takes so long. There's so much work to do. Uh, so I've kind of calmed down a little bit on, on just, uh, the speed <laughs> aspect, I guess.
0: You settled yourself um, down. Yeah. 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 I, I kind of get that.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I had to, um, you know, scaling up the ambition forced me to, to scale down my expectation of uh, speed.
0: <laughs> um, it's a weird off, but I think it's re- realistic, so. Okay, I mean, that, that's, that's fair and that's reasonable. I guess when I look at the system and I start playing around with it and using it, it really checks a lot of the check boxes for what I want in a, in a computer system. You know what I mean? It's Mm -hmm. as a, I, you know, I think, I think we're probably not too far apart in age and, you know, growing up when we did, this kind of was a, a sweet spot, a comfort zone for not just UI design, but system design and, and all of it. And, and Serenity is just a, a nice, a nice comfortable pair of fuzzy slippers and if I could run it as my daily system, how cool would that be? Like, I, and so I, I look at it, and really, there's not, there's not too many things that prevent that. And one of the things, beyond you know hardware and driver support, which is obviously a, a giant task, but one of the things uh-huh. is the way software is installed. And I, I wanted, I wanted to ask you about this because this is, to me, this is, this is fascinating. Because in Serenity OS right now, and I know I don't need to tell you this, but you install software essentially by by essentially just kind of doing a, a rebuild of the whole system you know what i mean and that's a that's that's a that's a great approach for the active developers of a system which really is the target audience for serenity at the moment do you see that changing any time any really any time to becoming more of a standard uh package installer or drag and drop app installer scenario where people could you know just distribute binaries of 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 software do you see it going in that direction or are you guys kind of sticking with the whole you know you know run a make file to to rebuild the whole system and then any any software packages that go with it so,
1: in the last couple of weeks, um, some folks have been working on exactly that—a package manager. So really? we do now have
0: <laughs> awesome. Yeah.
1: Uh, and it's you know it's still early days, but it, something is coming up because it is a little bit tedious to rebuild the whole system just because you want to install a quake or whatever. Yeah. Um, and, but I will say that the true way to install software on Serenity OS is to write it, of course. Um, <laughs> That is sort of the, the real spirit of the system, is.
0: <laughs> but you know what I mean. It, like I I, I, I love it. Like, and I, I've got so one one of the fans uh, of of the show that's in, in my community, literally does a rebuild of Serenity every day and has all of all of the different ports available so we can see all the different applications everyone's working on and he can check it out because he's just he just thinks it's just so incredibly cool and I, I can't blame him for that it's just you know that's <laughs> as as you expand beyond the uh the hardcore developer uh, world which may not even be a goal for you guys for for quite some time uh, obviously <laughs> not needing to run make files to install software is kind of nice. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I, I think, I mean, realistically, I don't think we will ever expand outside of the hardcore nerd world, um, but outside of the hardcore developer world might be interesting for sure. Um, I think, ultimately, you shouldn't have to be a C++ programmer just to be able to run the system or, or, or tweak it. Right. Um, and that's sort of where we've been at for a long time. Um, but you know, over time, things get um, a little bit more casual and more user-friendly. Um, hopefully at least. And we'll get to a, a place where you can do stuff like, you know, automatic install and um, boot from a live USB stick or install with binary packages, like all these kind of niceties, right? Yeah. Um, I think we will accumulate all of those. Uh, and we have started with uh, package manager in particular recently. So that is a nice development, maybe a, a sign of things to come.
0: That's kind of exciting. I mean, that, that that's, that's a pretty exciting little moment. So, so, considering that, I mean, if people are running Serenity right now, they're doing it in a virtual machine. Um, when you uh-huh. do your Ladybird development, when you're working on your web browser, what system are you doing that development in? Do you do more of that development in Serenity nowadays, or do you use uh, a host OS? And if so, what host OS does the, ma- the mastermind behind Serenity run as his, as his daily driver?
1: Uh, well, right now I'm splitting my time between uh, latest Ubuntu and a copy of Slackware from 2001. Uh, what? Because,
0: <laughs> Slackware um... <laughs> from 2001? <laughs> I don't yeah, even think Patrick they... <laughs> Volkerding himself runs Slackware from 2001, my friend. Um, uh, what, anyway, why, why on earth? Why on earth are you running a a 22 year old version of Slackware? <laughs>
1: Well, uh, I've just been doing a bunch of browser archaeology recently,
0: oh, uh, digging I see. out
1: super super old versions of browsers, and I just I tried getting them to build on modern day Linux, and just everything has moved around, and like the the even like C library functions that you thought were standard actually looked a bit different twenty two years ago. Uh, so you, it's just a, a super yeah. tedious task to. Port old code to modern Linux, and it was easier to just install old Slackware. So now I, I have that as well, and I've just been spending a bunch of time in there uh, doing code archaeology on stuff like
0: um, you know
1: Mozilla Mosaic, um, super old Conqueror browser, things like that.
0: Now you worked on um, Conqueror for a while, isn't that didn't you? Where yeah, I did yeah. back
1: in oh, back in 05, I did a couple of things. Um, I think the I was uh, a web developer at the time, and also a very fanatical KDE user. Um, possibly the, I think the only person most in my KDE town.
0: Users though. I think. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I I might have been the only employed web developer using KDE, um, at least where I lived, um, and it was always a bit of a struggle explaining to my employer why. It was important that websites should look right in Conqueror because they were like, what is KDE? What are you talking about? Yeah. yeah.
0: No, oh. no, no. The five KDE users, they really need it. <laughs>
1: That's right.
0: I, I used to... I have a, a buddy of mine uh, named uh, Aaron Saigo. He used to be the head of KDE for, for many years. And uh, I used to joke with him because... I, yeah, I, I
1: met him in 2006. Oh, uh,
0: so. Aaron's a great guy. Uh, he, he used to... Just, he was kind of the the chief cheerleader of, of KDE for quite a long time. And uh, boy, I tell you, as many memes and jokes as Arch users get for having to tell people about how they run arch back in the day kde users were a thousand times more into that man you could not if you were in a conversation about your computer with a kde user they told you they ran kde (laughs) it was it was just a kind of a common thing and i i feel like we've lost that over the years i miss kde users telling me about their kde installs (laughs) those are good times True. Yeah. What did happen to that? Cause I used I to do know. that too, but I just stopped at some point. It did. Well, <laughs> I, I don't know if, if the version changes, you know, cause KDE used to be, there used to be like a million radio buttons for every single setting in the world under KDE. And I think that's, that whole mentality has kind of changed a bit. And so I, I don't know. I, I think maybe a lot of those, <laughs> a lot of those folks kind of jumped ship and, and went elsewhere uh, as KDE matured into plasma or whatever. Um, anyway, you know, anyway. I, I yeah. Go ahead, go <laughs> no, ahead. Go I ahead. think
1: that's what happened to me too. I think that's what happened to me with KDE is that at some point, I just uh, realized that there are too many buttons here, and I got work to do. Um,
0: <laughs> but it's and, exciting at first, it, yeah. right? You have yeah. all these settings.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's a bit like when you're a kid and you just have infinite time to play games and and fool around, and then you grow up and. And you realize that you don't have time for all these buttons. And I, I think that's what happened to me. Uh, and, and this thing that I used to love about KDE just became kind of an eyesore uh, at some point. But of course, like KDE is very different today. It is. But back in the KDE three days, it was a feature cornucopia. Oh, my gosh.
0: Yeah. They, they, they never met a feature they didn't like. Uh, they, they just <laughs> right. incorporated and, all and- of them.
1: And they put all of them like right in the toolbars and um, top level menus and stuff. Their
0: control (laughs) panels were the messiest things I think I've ever seen in my life. But like, but like in an endearing, lovable way, like it was, that's what made it special was the, was the 10,000 little radio buttons for every single feature. I just, I kind of miss that. It's KDE plasma current desktop. I I know it's unique and has some very cool features, but it's a little bit too much like the gnome shell and, and kind of everything everyone else is doing. It used to be so different and unique. And I don't know. I miss that. I, I miss that uniqueness about it. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, okay. All right. All right. Let's, let, let's, let's pivot over to the web browsing side of things. Cause sure. there's a lot of action going on here. Um, now, Ladybird, I've got to say, first off, I am really impressed with how much progress that browser has has made Uh, you guys have done phenomenal work over the last several months i've watched as as more and more websites and you post about this regularly but it be it's becoming increasingly usable more websites are just looking correct and considering that you guys are writing this all from scratch that's that's kind of mind-blowing uh And now that you guys have some funding, right, Uh, you guys have had Mm -hmm. some some generous benefactors come in and you now have how many people are are working on it full time at this point?
1: Uh, So there's myself and two full time software engineers working on it right now.
0: Hot diggity i mean this is kind yeah, of this is kind of an exciting moment i mean i, I mean i don't have to tell you I, you you worked so you worked on Conqueror, you worked on uh safari at apple is that right
1: that's right yeah and i also worked on um mobile browsers at nokia for for a while
0: so i mean you've been around the the web browser building space for you know a heck of a long time i'm a veteran mm-hmm. in that space but it feels like we are in dire need of a shakeup. Like we could really use a fresh engine that was that's actually capable and isn't just run by, you know, you know, one of two specific groups. And this is this is really exciting. If something new without all the crust and cruft and baggage, just a, a brand new engine. How does it cause you, to wake up in the middle of the night in a cold sweat and panic thinking that you're undertaking a brand new web browser engine with employees <laughs> to <laughs> to attempt to become. I mean, I mean, cause that's got to be the goal, right? To attempt to become a viable web browser or web browsing engine. Does, does that freak you out?
1: Not really, because. That's just what I've been doing every day for years, anyway. Um, <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> just, <laughs> it's more like I feel at peace now that I'm finally just doing this again. Um, it was a, it was a confusing time for a while when I didn't have a browser to work on.
0: <laughs> okay, uh. all right. So it's good to have a browser, <laughs> and now you—it's a browser that you control. I mean, that's that's kind of nice. So you can, you can kind of help guide and set the priorities of it, which. I mean, that's, that's, that's gotta be a first for you. I mean, in terms of, you know, browser development.
1: Yeah, for sure. For sure. But, uh, even so, um, it is very much, a, an open source project where people just kind of work on what they're interested in. Um, even my full-time employees now, I'm not micromanaging them in any way, but rather just, um, you know, asking them to, to work on things that move the browser forward, uh, in a meaningful way and. Uh, keep an open dialogue with me about like what things do we consider moving it forward? Because uh, we're in this interesting t- um, position right now where there's just so much work to do that it's kind of hard to do something that's a waste of time. Like there are just so <laughs> many things that we have to do.
0: <laughs> so you, and, if you throw a dart, it's going to hit something that's, that gives you points. I, I, I kind of, yeah, yeah,
1: exactly. Exactly. So but of course, you know there are high value uh, items and, and lower value items, so it's it's important to be honest about um, what's important for the sort of general browsing use case and, and also just like what's a fun nerdy project. Yeah. Um, but, but so far, I think we're managing to to stay on the very productive side of, of that equation. Cool. So that that is working well. So, but at yeah, the same time i I know that uh I know that eventually <laughs> we will run out of these obviously like super obviously useful things and we will have exhausted the low hanging fruits and now we have to actually put more effort into um like figuring out tasks that are gonna move us forward but but right now we're in this luxurious low hanging fruit land where, yeah, as you say, you can throw a dart and you'll hit a valuable thing,
0: yeah cause you got you there's so many i mean web standards you have to kind of put you know quotation marks around standards because there's just there's just so many and so many browser engines and so many implementations and so many versions of javascript and and every website seems to do things differently and 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 so you kind of guys are going along and i what i see you doing a lot of times is you'll load up a website like for a hotel that you'll be staying at and you're like, "Well, this website doesn't look sure. right." So then you'll be like, "Okay, and I've updated I've updated Ladybird and I fixed it. Now this website looks right." And I I kind of love that approach. It's it's almost like instead of simply you know adhering the to the spec of whatever the W3C just puts out and and uh telling web designers to fix their websites it seems to me like you're kind, you guys are kind of going around and being like okay let's use the modern web and make La- and make ladybird work with it uh is that kind of more your general approach
1: yeah absolutely uh, i'm taking kind of the um video game emulation approach to browser development where <laughs> yes. like you're building an emulator and then at some point it's good enough that you can load a game and of course it doesn't work but you can kind of figure out why it doesn't work and then um fix it and then now that game works or like the the loading screen of that game shows up and you've made progress and then you keep doing that with different games um and it's it's a very very satisfying way of working because you're always making sort of visual, tangible uh, progress on real targets in the real world. Um, It's so much more gratifying than uh, doing the same thing with like a spec, just going through 100 spec items or like now I'm implementing this algorithm from the spec and I don't even know who uses it, but it has to be there, they say.
0: That, that and, is, and, you yeah. actually get to see tangible results you you make right. you make the div work you make the image centered like you actually can reload and see that's that's kind of nice yeah yeah and i think i think programmers go a little
1: nutty if they don't see progress or they don't see any tangible improvement from their work so um it's important to to get that get into that kind of feedback loop i think and um, of course, that's what I'm encouraging everybody who works on Ladybird to do. But ultimately, I can't I can't stop someone from sitting and banging out, you know, a spec um, from yeah. start to finish if they want to. If Some they, people have done that.
0: If they really want. I don't. Think they had a
1: great time. Yeah
0: because there I mean there's so many specs at this point like it's I can it it would be far more gratifying to say I'm gonna make you know this particular website which by the way uh the you know my uh, lunduke.locals.com where I publish all my stuff is slowly looking better and better in Ladybird. I haven't loaded it up in a couple of weeks but I'm sure you guys haven't worked on that specifically but it's getting better and better and better. It's, it's, uh, it still has a ways to go before I could, you know, log in and, and, you know, compose drafts and everything like that and, and use it end to end. But for people just reading the stuff, it's, it's mostly there, which honestly is pretty cool. Cause it's not, you know, necessarily the most simple website in the world. That's, that's kind of neat.
1: Yeah, no, we actually did work on your website specifically, at least at one point yeah. uh, because, uh, um, I heard you talking about it, and then you said something about being sneaky and and tricking us into working on it, and I felt like, <laughs> all right, ah, it worked. <laughs> it did work.
0: <laughs> oh, fantastic! Oh,
1: because at that point it was like, what am I going to do? Not fix it?
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it it does look better now. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. So yeah. thank you. <laughs> um, sure. Oh, uh, quick, quick. I have to have to do a quick deviation. Um. Uh. So this this show is is being made free for everyone uh, uh we all the work i do is not ad supported it's all listener supported uh and a uh greggy greggy over in our community made made sure he kind of pitched in some extra bucks to make this uh this episode free and he wanted me to read the following message for the world <clears throat> and i'm going to try and do this in one take <sighs> 173467321476 Charlie 32789777643 Tango 732 Victor 73117888732476789764376 So there you go Greggy has <coughs> has has sent that message to the world so thank thank you Greggy for that Um <laughs> <laughs> but bonus points I wonder what you just shared uh, do, <laughs> do you recognize that at all andreas <laughs> i gotta ask no No, It's okay. Not really. (laughs) That's okay. Uh, There's there's a very small handful of people that will be be sitting at home listening to this right now going, I know what that is. What is that? What did he just say? And then they'll look that up online, type in some of the numbers and figure it out. It'll it'll be great. I'll leave that to an exercise for the listener. Um, All right. All right. All right. All right. So so let's let's move on a little bit here. Well, I've been watching you do kind of this web archaeology thing and where you've been trying out old web browsers. You you even went back in and was it on Mosaic where you added the Blink tag back in? Was that the browser mm-hmm. you did that in? That is yeah, right. <laughs> the best thing I've ever seen happen. Uh, <laughs> so when, when Blink dot got deprecated... I ranted about that for quite some time in kind of a tongue-in-cheek way, you know, but uh, to see you go back in, load up the code for Mosaic, and add in support for the Blink HTML tag just because you could, that's beautiful, man. That's just beautiful. Uh, t- tell me about that, because that's that's the coolest thing <laughs> to me. Well, I
1: just have been doing a bunch of um, explorations of old browsers um, to try to figure out how they worked. Um, I guess it's been a bit of a pilgrimage or something like that where I'm paying respect to the history of our field uh, of browser development and visiting all the old sites. And um, while I was looking at the code, I just felt like, i'm gonna get a way better understanding of this code if i try to edit it if i try to do something with it um, so i figured i should add some features and what better feature than uh, something that came sort of shortly after mosaic um, died down so like one of the early netscape features that that um that they came up with and yeah blink seemed like a like an obvious choice because it was sort of I don't know, such an iconic, dumb HTML feature from no, that Oh, man,
0: every GeoCity site <laughs> needs a blink, man. Uh, I miss it. Yeah, yeah, I I don't disagree.
1: <laughs> uh, it was actually the hardest part of it, I think, was figuring out what the flashing frequency should actually be, like how fast should it blink. <laughs> um, Love it. Because, yeah, it was, it was a little bit confusing at first, um, but I, I think I got it right. And just, it was it was just, yeah, it was interesting to see how you would do that because browsers back then, they were implemented very, very differently from the way we do them today. Um, they didn't sort of build up this um, nice data structure that contains the HTML document so that you can sort of look at it in memory and manipulate it and and um, do things to it. Instead, it, it sort of just does this really... Primitive uh, flow layout, where you just start in the top left corner, and then you just put things into the window as long as they fit, and then you break lines and such. And um, I'm much more used to the modern browsers, where you have these uh, like intricate in-memory data structures, where, where everything is available. Um, and I don't know; it, it reminded me of this old-school programming that we used to do back in the day. You know, in the '90s when yeah. when memory was scarce and um, you would kind of take a lot of shortcuts that that you don't really do anymore because there's just so much memory nowadays and processors are so much faster um, that you you kind of make things more elegant and it was it was fun to just get back into that mindset and um, cut corners a little bit. <laughs> I, I love uh, that. So yeah, I love that <laughs> and. Go ahead. Yeah. Go no, ahead. the I was gonna say the the way I, I implemented the blink, ultimately was by just uh, repainting the entire window um, twice per second, and then just <laughs> flipping a, a, a global variable that says if blinked blinking text should be visible or not visible, and then just repainting the whole window on a on a repeating timer, and it was just like stupid ugly, and it worked. But it worked. <laughs> and yeah yes. and it felt just right
0: <laughs> <laughs> i think that was right for the time that, that 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 feels genuine to me okay all right yeah and it
1: it, it got like kind of janky and <laughs> it would flicker and even that felt what right
0: I mean, I mean i mean the early browsers like that i i love them god bless them but they were a little janky. I mean I mean yeah. like, there was quite a few old browser projects around Mosaic. I mean, and not not even including all the old gopher projects and everything else, but I mean, they tended to have some pretty peculiar bugs that clearly resulted from things like they tried to shoehorn in blink support, so they repainted the whole window and that screwed up a few other things. Like it like that was a pretty I, common <clears throat> thing back then. And I I kind of do miss it. I I miss the rawness of it. You know what I mean? Like it, like you could almost feel like you were there with the programmer as they were like, ah, this'll work. It's good enough. <laughs> and, and I love that.
1: Yeah. I definitely found a lot of that vibe. Um, like when moving on to, I also looked a lot at, at early Netscape versions and I tried to uh, run JavaScript on them. And it was really interesting to me, just how crashy it was. Uh, just like trying to do anything in JavaScript. Because I had Netscape 2 as a kid. And I would um, make websites, but I didn't understand JavaScript. I, I knew that JavaScript existed, so I would go online and, and search on like AltaVista or Yahoo or whatever uh, for JavaScript snippets that I could put into my website. So I would have a rotating clock or something. and. Um, Going back into that environment as an adult who can program JavaScript, uh, it, it was really interesting to me how easy it was to make it crash. Like if I did anything <laughs> like colored outside the lines, just a squiggle, oh, it would yeah. just crash.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, it was it was brutal back then. <laughs> it was brutal. It really was. Yeah, <laughs> I, it was funny. I I had uh, I had Brendan Eich, uh, the guy who created JavaScript, on my show a long time ago. And uh, the first question out of the gate, I get him on the show, introduce him, introduce him to the world, and then I ask him, "So, Brendan, what's it feel like uh, to have created the thing that made the world a, a worse place?" <laughs> like I, I was, I had to, I had to give him a hard time about that. But I, I, I got to tell you, the 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 guy who created JavaScript has a really good sense of humor about JavaScript, and I, <laughs> he's a real nerd. I appreciate it. <laughs>
1: Oh yeah, Brendan is very nerdy. Yeah, um, he's a good dude. But yeah, he's great. Um, I I tagged him when I was poking around with um, early the early JavaScript engine um, from the first open source version of Mozilla, and um, he seemed genuinely delighted that somebody was poking around his old code. So um,
0: for sure, happy to see that. It's 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 a sad thing when. When code goes to die, you know, when it just gets lost in the dustbin of history and forgotten, you know, it's 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 a sad thing. There's there's so much really genuinely interesting work in history that's gone into in the software world in general and not just browsers, but everything that just gets discarded so so quickly and you know it's not like i want to sit here and run netscape 1.0 i don't want to actually do that but at the same time the fact that the fact that nobody runs it kind of kind of bums me out a little bit you know yeah i i
1: totally agree and it's weird because people um there's a, a definitely a subculture of retro computing enthusiasts or whatever who love running old operating systems and they play old games you're, and... you're
0: talking to wow. a lot of them right now
1: <laughs> right <laughs> hello uh, i I am I'm one of them for sure uh so th- and and but this community it sort of it feels to me like it kind of specializes in more mainstream software and you don't see that much exploration of like, totally random software from from olden times and i would love to see more of that as well Uh, not just you know the photoshops and the and the windows 95s and stuff like
0: that there's just so many weird weird old browsers out there like i i I saw you like uh, diving through and figuring out which of the earliest browsers was the first to implement tabs and and kind of going through all these different things and i'm like it's beautiful to see people not just not just talking about that but going back and poking at it and finding it and posting screenshots about it and it <laughs> it doesn't just scratch that nostalgic itch but it helps our our collective nerdy memory i i think so many people nowadays forget how things really were uh, not not just in the long ago like the 60s and 70s but even the the 1990s uh, so many people just don't remember or weren't weren't around to experience what computing was really like in the 90s and so you know you posting a lot of this stuff from the the early to mid 90s around web browsing back then uh, i was just beautiful uh, i i love that you're doing it uh <laughs> I know it's time consuming, yeah, sure. but, but uh, you know, every time you post it, it makes me smile. Yeah,
1: no, it's time um, happily spent because it's so interesting to me to just uh, learn more about these things. And um, just to, to add on to something you were saying there about, like, people, the, the experience of using old software is very different from just looking at pictures of it. And I, yes. I do think I agree that more people should actually take the time to tinker with these things if they're interested. And one thing in particular I think everybody should experience, especially younger folks, is the feeling of like clicking on something in the Start menu in old Windows and the app showing up before you let go of um, but like before the mouse yes. click is complete.
0: Oh, my heavens. Um, Oh, it's a. Beautiful you know when you double
1: click on Notepad or something, and it just pops it's up there. faster than you can. It, it, yeah, yeah, it's, it's like there. it
0: knew you, it knew you wanted it, and so it was just ready for you. I just, yeah, I, like
1: once you wow. see that and realize that it's possible, um, I, I think it's an important thing to see.
0: I um, was, uh, I, I was, I was complaining about keyboard and mouse latency and and you know the delays and responsiveness of toolbar buttons and whatnot and. And I, I, I was in person at an event one time. And a couple of young whippersnappers uh, were kind of disagreeing <laughs> with me on that. They're like, no, no, no. The USB latency is not a problem. And 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 now my system's fast, man. I got a Core i7 here. And when I click on stuff, it does stuff. I'm like, no, no, no. You don't understand. And so I we had there, one 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 guy had there an old you know, probably, I want to say it was a 286 or a 386 with the keyboard and mouse plugged in via PS2. And I'm like, come look at this for a second. And we clicked and we typed and you could almost see them after a while, start to get it. They're like, yeah, something feels different. Like the immediacy, it feels faster. And even though this machine is ancient and a million times slower in every possible way than that newer machine whether it's the whether it's the the bus speeds in use or the less complexity of the software things were just immediate and that feeling that you get from it is 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 almost delightful when you return to it now after using modern computers for so many years
1: indeed indeed Uh, i think you still get a a glimmer of that when you're using a video game console these days because you know in a a single task environment it's just that much easier to be fast and responsive Uh, but on a desktop computer you very rarely have that level of responsiveness in anything anymore
0: it's so true Uh,
1: which yeah it's a bit sad
0: um you know on those on those notes and this is just a little a little bit of a kudos there's also, and you may agree or disagree with this, but I have a very big emotional connection to my computers and the software I use. And, I, you know, for, for better or worse, I kind of identify with them. Like, you know, when I have those those old computers that don't just bring me nostalgia for using them, I... I remember customizing them and really diving into them and having them almost be an extension of me somehow, you know, my my old AT and working on an old Commodore 64 over here. They just they feel there is an emotion to it, a soul into those old machines and not just because I use them, but I think because of the people that built them and you can feel, smell and sense the, the soul of them. And when you use most modern operating systems nowadays, there isn't much of a soul anymore. You can, you, you, like you sit down with, with the latest version of Windows or Mac OS, and yes, they're impressive pieces of software. They are. I, I, I admit they're big and giant and bloated, but they do have some cool things and some cool pieces of technology behind them, but they lack a certain soul. And I got to say, after spending a week in serenity, there's something there. There's a spark of a soul in that. Uh, And whether it's that you can feel after using it for a period of time, the feelings that the developers put into it. Maybe it's that the, the developers are a little bit closer to it, a little bit fewer total developers than say worked on, you know, windows or what have you, but you can feel a soul to it. And I, I want to commend you guys for that. You and, and your whole team, because I, I think that's something that's been missing in, in software in general. And it's nice to see that come back, whether intentionally or, or unintentionally. I, I I felt like I needed to say that.
1: Oh, for sure. Thank you. Um, the, whole serenity os community is doing such a good job with that i think and it's one of the best things in my life is like putting some weird software out there and just having a huge community pick it up and say this is so cool i'm going to spend my time on it um and i'm so grateful that that has happened and i don't even know um I, i don't know if i will ever do anything as cool as that so that's been great, and I'm really proud of, um, you know, proud of what we do. and proud of the community that works on it, and I think you're right that that people are um, closer to it. And it's a small team that just genuinely cares about what they're doing. Like nobody is being told what to do. Everybody is just implementing random things that they genuinely care about, and then this is what you get. And it kind of makes you wonder like when you look back on the software from the 80s and 90s like what was it that was different back then that made it so that it had this soul uh feeling that you described because um it seems to me that it's kind of easy to to make soulful software if you're doing it on a volunteer basis as a hobby and you just love programming so you do that but like what were those companies doing like how did they get people so amped up about it um that they created the soulful software, even at their jobs. I, I, I
0: don't know how that worked. Like they, they wanted to be there. They wanted to do that. That was the thing that they wanted to do. Uh, you know, when I, when, when you worked on software in the, in the nineties, even it was mostly because you wanted to work on that software or software from that company. You wanted to do that, you know? Nowadays, people are just they just go to work on whatever random JavaScript framework stack that their company will pay them the most to work on. And I don't blame them for that. I understand. But it's yeah, I mean, I think I think think the whole the whole motivation and and feeling around it is is different.
1: True. And also there are like just thousands, thousands times more developer jobs these days yeah so i guess back then it was way more of an esoteric career and the people who were programmers they were actually pretty damn nerdy people i would say i would hazard a guess
0: they were blazing new trails you know they were creating you know you know whether they were they were creating the new version of of gem or windows or mac os or whatever it was they were they were creating that and that was that was in many cases just totally new ground. That was green field. It was it was cool. It was really cool. <laughs> oh, okay, okay, yeah. okay. Uh, I, have, I have a couple more questions I want to get to before we run out of time here. Uh, first, yeah. on the web browser front, when you sit down and you're working on the the rendering engine behind Ladybird how important to you is the memory usage side of things because i mean that's the common complaint with firefox and the chrome and everything else is oh i loaded up a tab i now am using you know 1.21 gigabytes of of ram for every single tab that comes up um is that as you're building ladybird are you finding that you're having a similar issue as you go along where where RAM is, is slowly ballooning out of control because of the way modern web development and standards work? Or or are you able to keep it smaller? Like, like how, how forefront of your mind is that memory usage?
1: Uh, it's definitely a secondary concern at the moment because we are just lacking um, basic features and we're slow. And as long as we are missing features and it's painfully slow... Uh, I I would be happy to pay a little extra memory to to improve um, <laughs> on the, on those axes, but uh, I think memory usage is absolutely important. It was it was my primary job when I worked at Apple for years was just Safari memory usage. So it is something that is near and dear to my heart, and I will eventually be happy to to work on that aggressively and, and Ladybird as well. But I think it's just an area where or it's it's just um, like a thing that we're compromising on a little bit at the moment, just to bring up um, all of the basic features and performance elsewhere. Um, I guess but, you gotta compromise somewhere. Yeah.
0: <laughs> you, yeah. Yeah. Right. You do have to. Yeah. You you have to choose something. You know, it's the whole, you know, you know, you know, fast, good, cheap. You know, you have to kind of pick one.
1: <laughs> right. <laughs> And, um, like, not, it's not really a choice of our own, but we are making this for pretty cheap. So, um, <laughs>
0: hey, that, you, know, that, you got full time developers yeah. now. That's pretty cool. <laughs>
1: that's, true, true. That's yeah. That's
0: pretty darn neat. <laughs> yeah, true.
1: Although I think we are probably still the smallest um, browser team with full time developers.
0: <laughs> I, I should almost put together um, a chart. Of of all the developers and the total cost going into it, Ladybird versus Chrome versus Firefox, <laughs> just to see what that bar chart would look like. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, yeah,
1: yeah. you know, obviously, obviously, it's not apples to apples, but uh, even so, it, it is. I think it is remarkable just how much uh, we've been able to do with a small team no, of just you know, highly I, motivated you volunteers. You are wrong,
0: Andreas. Uh, it is apples to apples. You are doing a massive amount of work on a shoestring budget with a fairly small team. I mean, you've got some some clearly very talented people and very committed people, you know, putting in their time to to make Ladybird great. And you see that the progress that you see is significant, whereas when you look at let's say what's happening with firefox the sheer number of people paid to work on it is is mammoth and and while yes it's a it's a more mature you know browser engine because it's been around a long time the amount of progress you see is is infinitesimally smaller and I, I would posit, I would posit that you guys are simply doing a better job by being more nerdy and in there actually getting the work done. Whereas at these bigger companies, these big mega firms like Mozilla and Google, they're just kind of wasting that money on not working on their core. I mean, could you imagine if if they put that say, the same resources into committed engineers and developers, just just the best coders, like what you clearly have going into theirs? Well, we'd have a very different landscape right now. And so I would I would posit that it is apples to apples, and you simply are running circles around them on a person by person basis. <laughs>
1: Well, uh, I, I definitely don't want to badmouth any of the engineers working on Mozilla because I think there are, you know, really brilliant people there. I, I uh, <laughs> know a lot of people who work on it, but uh, I, w- I will say that the way they spend their money is a little bit uh, puzzling to me.
0: Yeah, it's a little, it's a little <laughs> um, strange. It's a little strange. It's a
1: little strange. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's leave it
0: at that we'll leave we'll leave we'll leave leave that at that uh (laughs) i don't want to get you in trouble um i'll leave that for a show i do solo where they can people can just yell at me personally um one one other thing i wanted to to talk about because i think this is this is kind of interesting to me is when you look around at operating systems at web browsers and whatnot most projects do not have a face associated with them, right? You know, most projects, most companies, whether by design or just because of how they got built up, are, are somewhat faceless, right? Like when you think of modern Gnome or modern KDE, who comes to mind? Well, in the old days, I could maybe think of someone, but anymore, not so much. When you think of, uh, you know... Modern Windows. It's like okay, during certain periods of Microsoft's history, there was like a Windows guy that really stood out. Nowadays, unless you work at Microsoft, you don't necessarily know who's even running the, the the general division anymore, right? And the same is true in the web browser space. Like at at Google and at at Firefox, you're right. There are some extremely talented engineers working on it, and some good people at both companies working on both projects. But there's not like a figurehead. While Mozilla does have Mitchell Baker that that kind of is the the CEO, she's not out there being the the figurehead for anything. In what's interesting to me about both Serenity and Ladybird is you kind of are the face of it, you know? And it is it is somewhat refreshing To have that, because that's something we had a lot more of in the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, and even the early 2000s. We we would have these companies building operating systems. Like, uh, Do you remember the B operating system? They had Jean-Louis Gasset. He was this eccentric French guy from Apple, right? And he was great. And he was the face of the B operating system. He was quirky. He was opinionated. He was franch. And he was out there talking about it. And he was awesome, right? And you had so many companies and browsers and things like that. Or or for a period of time, Brendan Ike was kind of like the the, you know, the face of, you know, JavaScript and, and and the and the Firefox side of things for a while, right? Now he's over at Brave and is still one of the few really public nerds public public facing nerd and it's nice to see an operating system and browser project with a public facing nerd behind it and it's interesting (laughs) i don't know if that's if that's something you think about much but you really are the the spokesperson for not just a growing product line but a growing community and a growing set of software that people are genuinely interested in how does it feel to you being kind of that public face of it and is that something that you ever wanted are you comfortable with that because it's it's happened to you
1: uh it's definitely not something i set out to um create for myself but um (laughs)
0: Uh Uh-oh, did I lose you? The one thing that's
1: kind of related um, when I first started building Serenity was that I wanted to model it after the way we built software at Apple, which was um, everything under one roof and full accountability within the group of developers. So like whatever problem you encounter, you never have to like go outside of the community to to find who is responsible for it. And um, I, I felt like... That was an awesome way to build software, uh, the, the way Apple does it, and that didn't really exist in in open source, as far as I could see, at least not at the scale that I would like it to be, where you have like a complete desktop operating system developed uh, as a single team. Yes. So, um, I think my what my role eventually became is sort of a side effect of of trying to build something in that way. Um, and it has upsides and downsides. uh, But I think it's on the whole, it's a positive experience. Um, (laughs) The main thing I'm concerned about on a day to day basis is just keeping everybody um, focused on stuff that they enjoy and um, making sure that Serenity remains sort of a a happy place for everybody. Um, I don't want anybody to uh, feel like they have to do what I tell them or they have to do certain things, but that it's it's like a a, a place of calm and a place of of serenity, if you will, where where everybody can just come and relax uh, and work on stuff that genuinely interests them. and um, I love it. what yeah, what that entails, like keeping that balance um, it keeps changing over time. and we like the community has scaled up from one person in a, in a room by himself, um, five years ago to, uh, thousands of people. And there have been, definitely been like a bunch of steps along the way where, um, like we had to, we had to change the way we communicate or the way that we organize certain things, because uh, the old way was just like, not feasible anymore. Um, and I think, I think we're we're doing a good job with that. At least it seems to me because everybody seems kind of happy to be tinkering. And um, I hope that we can scale up to uh, at least double the size of, of a community without having to change much at this moment. Um, but we'll see. We'll see.
0: <laughs> well, so you're basically... Like a, like a hippie commune of nerds, so to speak. Like you (laughs) got, like y'all, you set up a couple of yurts and, you know, some stations and everyone hangs out and, you know, does some knitting and uh, (laughs) I like it. I mean, it's, and honestly, it's, yeah, or maybe,
1: maybe, maybe it's more like a kindergarten and I just set up (laughs) like the finger painting and. And uh, Sing songs to everybody.
0: So what you're saying is the headline from this is uh, Serenity OS founder says says developers like kindergartners. Got it. Got it. I'm writing that down right now. That will be the <laughs> gotcha quote from this <laughs> interview. No. Damn it! Oh, it foiled again. Um. All right. All right. This this has actually been really nice. Uh. Once again, you've done really fantastic work. I I I I. I love that that, you know, companies and individuals have stepped up to allow you to be able to focus on this work. All too often, there's truly talented engineers that that uh, that don't get that chance. And it it just warms my icy little heart when I see it happen, Uh, because then then I see developers like you and the ones that you've hired and, and everything else get the chance to really stretch your wings and and see what you can do with the ideas you've got. So I I'm excited for it. And honestly, I I have my fingers crossed. I I would love to be able to one day, hopefully not too far off, run Serenity as a as a daily driver and and I I I I know that's not necessarily your guys's number one priority, but man, would it be neat for me. <laughs> cuz I cuz <'cause> I <laughs> like what you guys have done so far. And uh it would just be it would just be super, super duper cool. <laughs> um, before we head off into the sunset, is there anything you want to tell anyone, any URLs, any universal resource locators you want to lay on people or uh, anything you want to just just inform the world about?
1: Uh, not really. I just want to say thank you to everybody who um, who works on the system and everybody who supports it or, or me in some way. It's uh absolutely beautiful thing to be able to do this. And uh, thank you also, Brian, for having me on your show. And um, hopefully, hopefully some of your listeners will enjoy what we talked about.
0: I've got a a little hinkling that some of them will. All right, everybody. Uh, All all my nerds and nerdettes, uh, go forth, go go install Serenity in a a virtual machine again, just to tax their servers a little bit more. Uh, And with that, thank you. Andreas, for joining me. Keep up the great work, my dude. And I do declare, end podcast.